All right, so let's first look at verse 9, and we will get into our first point of praying for one another. Let me reread that verse. It says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So this is where we start, but obviously this letter didn't start with verse 9. And to understand what they heard, we have to go back to verse 4. Verse 4 says that they heard about the faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that they have for all the saints. This is what pastor preached on last week about this, uh, the, the gospel, how it goes forth and it saves. And then we have, um, we're, we're saints, we're uh, brothers in Christ, we're all these things. Those things were mentioned over the last two weeks. Um, and and that, that, was very, that was music to the ears of Paul and to those who were with him. And I think that's, man, that's such a, a beautiful thing to think about God saving sinners. It, it's, it's the greatest thing that we get to see uh, here on earth. Hearing someone's testimony, how they came to faith, what God saw fit to do to bring them to their knees, to cry out to him, to trust in him, to have that guilt of that sin that, we weigh, uh, that, that weighs us down removed off of them and to see them just running their race that God has set before them. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Pastor and I have had the opportunity to have conversations with many people that have come to faith within the church and uh, being able to hear those things, it's such a, it's a wonderful thing to be, it's a breath of fresh air, right? You go through the day-to-day -day monotonous, as Pastor says, the, the ministry at 20 miles an hour, you go through all that, but then as you see the fruit that God bears within his people, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sweet thing to, to experience, to see how God is at work in people's lives and how he brought them to himself, right? He sought them. They were the lost sinners who were dead in their trespasses and sins. They were, they were lost, and he's the one that pulled them out of darkness and opened their eyes, and, and now seeing those people bearing fruit and, and uh, trusting in the Lord and serving his people, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And there's no two stories that are the same, right? Seeing how God works in us individually, is, it's, it's a beautiful thing. God does the same work in all of us, but it plays itself out um, in different ways. But that's kind of the idea, right, of what Paul and, and the people who were with him heard as they heard this account uh, of these believers in Colossae, because this was not a church that Paul established. Uh, once they heard that good news, they were eager to pray for these people, seeing God's work at work in this town, in this region, they were eager to pray for them. Um, and, and I use that word eager because I see that being synonymous with what Paul said when he said they have not ceased to pray for them, right? They, they heard about this, this blessed work that God is doing in this place, and they were just like, man, we need to do what we can for these people. We are going to pray for them consistently, constantly, right? Is it, does that mean they prayed every minute of every day? No, but... There was never a time where they weren't on their mind to offer these prayers, right? It was a normal part of their day to offer prayers on behalf of these people. And as I thought about that, I, I think about us today, right? There's people who have come to faith here, who have come and joined the church, been baptized. We're going to have some baptisms in the next couple of weeks. Uh, There's some, some of us who have been saved for a little while and some even longer, uh, but there, there are saints here. Right? There are brothers and sisters in Christ here, and there are good works being done here. And just like Paul is offering these prayers, are, are we spending time praying for the people within this church? 
Now, I know we get lots of prayer requests, and that's when it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, the flags go up, and we're like, man, I need to be praying for this person in particular. But besides those great needs that do arise, and yes, we probably step up our prayer life in those moments, how often are we just praying for the people sitting next to us, sitting behind us, sitting in front of us? Right, there's lots of people here, there's lots of situations, there's lots of issues, circumstances, trials that are going on right now with lots of people around you. Now, we come to church and put on our, our church face, but there's lots of issues going on within our church. Uh, some that I'm privy to, some that I'm not. But how much time are we spending praying for these people that are just here around us? Now, you may be better than me, right? You keep a prayer log, uh, you keep a, a membership role, and you're just going through that list and praying for all these people. Maybe that is you, okay? And I'm not talking to you if that's you. I'm talking to the rest of us that don't spend that kind of time praying for our people. But at the same time, right, that's the, the, the corporate level. When I say corporate, the body of Christ, that's that level of prayer. But if I was to personalize it, how much time do you spend praying for just the people within your own family? What kind of prayers are, are happening within your own home? Are you praying with your family? Are you praying for your family? Are you praying, do you feel like the time you spend in prayer for them is, is sufficient? Uh, I think that's something else that we should be thinking about. Prayer is such a, a profitable thing for us. It's such a, a, a helpful tool that God has given us. Uh, why is it not being used as often as it should? It, it tends to be the last resort instead of the first result or the first uh, thing we go to. And I'm, I'm saying this to myself, right? I, last night we had some stuff go down and that was the last thing on my mind was, was praying about it, right? And so, uh, and it was a, a big thing. Thankfully, I have a wife who loves me and cares for me and her and the kids prayed for me in the midst of this uh, emergency. Um, but it's, it's, like I said, it's not just, I'm not just pointing fingers out this way, it's, it's this way as well. So you may say to yourself, well, you know, yeah, there's lots of people, there's lots of things going on, and I don't necessarily know how to pray for these people. Like, I don't know their needs, so I don't know how to pray for them in particular. Well, Paul gives us a prayer in these verses that can be prayed to any, for anyone, right? He says this, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, right? That is a prayer that you can always pray for any and everyone within the church. Right, so there's really no excuse for us not to offer prayer for one another. This is one of the reasons why I had originally had a, a particular idea for our next Bible study on Wednesday nights. And I kind of, as I was preparing this week, I decided to change it up. I felt like it was necessary for us to do a, a topical study on prayer. I feel like there's a lot, lots of people here that could benefit from truly understanding prayer, right? What it is, what it's not. Uh, is it commanded? Is it optional? How often should I do it? There's lots of these questions. There's, I don't know what the percentage is. I've never put people on the spot, but I would venture to guess somewhere between 70, 80% of people in here would not want to pray if I just called on them right now. You know what I mean? Like we get a little nervous about praying in front of people. Well, why is that? A lot of times it's because we're not comfortable. Why are we not comfortable? We don't necessarily know what to pray for or how to pray. Okay. We, it's, Difficult sometimes just to pray for yourself, much less anyone else. But that's kind of the that's kind of an aside. But that's that's the goal. That's what we're going to end up doing, and we'll start that study sometime in August. We haven't quite worked that out. But um, 
as far as we as far as our passage goes, when Paul says that he's praying for these things, what does he actually mean? Because it's one thing to say, hey, go and pray just like this, but it's it's meaningless if you're just praying words just monotonously and just kind of throwing them up. We need to know what we're praying about. And so that's let's talk about that. What does it mean to to pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Right? What what does that even mean when Paul says that? Well, if we were to take this in layman's terms, um, one way to go about it, one way I would say it is, is this, that you may know the word of God, what God has commanded in his word, and how to obey his word in light of your specific circumstances. Right? How to, knowing God's word, knowing the commands within his word, and then knowing how to apply those things in your specific circumstances. Now, it's, it's easy. The reason I say your specific circumstances and how that may come across as like, what does that even mean? It's, it's important for us to understand that. There's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, right? We can get too caught up in the letter of the law and not quite understand how to apply it within our specific circumstances. What does that mean? Well, um, wisdom, is, wisdom is in the nuances. That's where wisdom is applied, right? Knowledge is knowing the things and wisdom is in the what does it look like for me? What does it look like for you? Well, think about it this way. If, if I was to tell you, you need to trust God, right? That is, that is commanded and it is true and it's always true. Uh, but what does that look like for you, right? Well, how does that apply in your life? You could be somebody struggling with the loss of a loved one, right? How do you trust God in the midst of that, right? You could be someone struggling within your marriage. How do you trust God in those situations? Right. You may be someone struggling with loneliness, depression, uh, chronic pain. Right. I can tell you to trust God, but what does that actually look like for you? Right. There, there's there's nuances to these things when we come to understand, excuse me, understand God's word. Right. It's not just the knowledge of his will. Right. A knowledge of his will is to know that we should trust him. Where wisdom comes in and understanding is how to apply those things. Right. OK, how how do I trust him in this situation? I don't know how to do that. Right. We've we've all had those situations where I know what I need to do, but I don't know how to do it. Right. And so this is what Paul's prayer is for, is, to, is that they come to grips with those things. They come to understand the nuances of their specific situation so they can take God's word and apply it specifically within their life. <clears throat> so the one way to look at that is there's times where. God is calling you to pick up your stuff and, and run 100 miles an hour. You need to go full bore, full steam ahead in this particular situation. Well, there's other times where God is telling you, no, wait, wait upon me. Be still and know that I am God. Right there, it, it, it may look differently for everyone. The same is true whether you're going 100 miles an hour or you're putting it back in cruise control or you're just stopping altogether. Right. It takes wisdom to understand when to do what. Now, I don't have all the answers. Pastor Ricky doesn't have all the answers. Pastor David, none of the teachers of this church have all the answers. None of us have that, right? All we can do is point you back to God's word and trust that God's going to help you in those, in those situations. <clears throat> but what wisdom tells me, what, what the word tells us, is that in all of these circumstances, I am to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these answers, all these things will be given to me. Amen? Because we don't have them. We don't have those answers. We don't know what to do a lot of times. And I think we do a disservice if we just 
tell people, you know, you just got to trust them. You got to have faith. Those are true. But what does that look like? It's, it's difficult to go to bridge the gap between belief and action. There's a huge gap between there. How do I make, how do I get there? Because I want to, but it's hard. It's hard to get there. And so what do we have to know? We have to seek God, right? We need to be in prayer about these things. We have to know that as we seek him and he gives me the, the answers that I need, they're not going to necessarily be the answers I'm looking for. But what we do know is in the midst of these storms, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Right in the worst days of my life, the worst things that I'll ever experience. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And I must trust him. I must take the full counsel of his word, seek him, hear from him, so that it, it is him who will bring me through. I'm the one who needs to be open and honest about my situation. And I need to offer up humble pleas for help. As I do that, God answers me. He provides for me the peace that surpasses understanding. He guards my heart. guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. He restores my soul. He reminds me that in his presence there is fullness, not just partial. There is fullness of joy. It's, 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 it's all him. I can't do any of it without him. <clears throat> Sorry, y'all. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm thinking about this because just, man, I had a dumb, what happened last night was, it was dumb. Um, it was, I made a mountain out of a molehill. I mean, it was, it was significant for our, our house, but I, I, I just got furious in the midst of all of it. And by the time everything was said and done, I'm like, had I just sat still, prayed, asked God to help me go through it, things would have been a lot smoother. But I wouldn't have been ministered to by God's word today, right? Like, I, it would have just been another sermon. Uh, so it took God working in me, showing me my brokenness, showing me my, my, uh, the way I rely on myself in order for me to see that it's him, right, that I need to trust him. It's God and his grace that provided for me in, in so many ways, so many more ways than I can ever understand or truly appreciate. Uh, and he's done that for all of us. All of us, he has done these things. And we tend to take it for granted. But praise God for his mercy and his grace because we would have, we'd be able to do nothing without him. <clears throat> yeah, sorry, y'all. I just, I'm thinking about stuff that's going on here and people and yeah, so yeah, prayer, right? Prayer, we need to be praying for each other. We need to be praying for the needs of our people because um, we can't do it, right? That's that roof as the storms come, as I mentioned in that quote. So our next point, 
this second point overflows out of the first, right? As we pray for one another, we're able to love one another. <clears throat> the, the thing that comes to mind when I think about that is how can you stay mad at someone when you're in prayer for them, right? When you're going to the Lord and thanking him for his grace on you as this sinner who went wayward and he saved you in the midst of your sin, and then you're trying to pray for someone, how do you stay mad at that person when you understand it's, that's the great equalizer, right? His grace is that great equalizer, and, and you can't. You just can't. Like, well, they did this to me. Okay, well, I did this to you. Yeah, okay, you're right. Sorry, God. Like, yeah, I, I, need, to, I need to show love to this person. So it, it's, it's almost impossible to stay mad at someone when you're actually praying for them and praying to God on behalf of them. But the thing is, love is, is a very complicated word. It's, it's a very complicated word. Um, in English, we have many different meanings for the word, right? I can love pizza, sports, my wife, my kids, you guys, the, the lost, my enemies, right? You can love all in all these different ways, um, and, and it has meaning in those different ways. Even in the, the Koine Greek, which was the language of the New Testament during that time, there's eight different words that are used to describe love. So it's not even, even back then, there was all these different meanings for the word love. Or love was described in these different ways. So just like with prayer, right, when we talk about prayer and, and how do we do it, how is it, you know, how, does, how do we understand it, uh, there is a difficulty along with love, right? Prayer, there's difficulty. Love, there's difficulty. So how should we express uh, love within our own lives? Like, how should that look for us? Because so often people are like, well, you just got to love people, right? You just got to love them. It's, well, but what does that look like? Because if someone has, is stealing from me, right, the, the most loving thing I can do is to keep them out of my house, right? So they don't steal from me anymore. But, like, so what does it look like? It, it, it looks like different things. Well, let me try to simplify it. Um, but if I simplify it, the thing that you have to come to grips with is the fact that if now you know what love is, now you have no excuse to not love someone, right? So um, listen in if you have, if you want to take those excuses away. Verse 10 is, I think, a good way that defines love. It says this, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good works and increasing in the knowledge of God. Right? I think that's a good working definition of what love looks like. Right? Jesus summarized the, the greatest commandment in this way, right? that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that the second is like it, you should love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love is the, the great commandment. And so how, do, how does that look, right? How do we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves? Well, if we're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge, we are loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we're loving our neighbor as ourself, right? So we're, we're showing love as we do these things. But once again, wisdom is found in the nuances, right? It's, it's not just bearing fruit and, and increasing in knowledge. What does that, you know, what does that look like? Well, how do we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Because some people can take that as saying, okay, I'm going to do these things and, and this is where my worth is, right, in doing these things. Is that what worthy of the Lord means? Well, no, the word worthy actually comes from a Greek word that is where we get our English word for axiom familiar with it cool if not it's okay if there's not going to be any quiz after we're done but the word axiom basically means a truth statement right so, or, or a principle like the early bird gets the worm the sun rises in the east 
right? It doesn't matter what you know, it's, it's who you know, right? These are generally accepted as truth statements, these types of things. That, that's what an axiom is. And so that word worthy has its root in that type of meaning. So to work, walk in a manner worthy means to walk truthfully, right? To walk in a manner that's true or proves true based on this thing, right? Uh, so it's, it's, it's walking truthfully and obedient to the knowledge of God's word, right? As you understand God's word, you're seeking to walk faithfully to that. That's walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, right? That's just like if you're being trustworthy, you've proven yourself uh, truthful, right? If you're trustworthy, you prove, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, trustworthy, you've proven yourself uh, trusting, right? You've been trusting in, in what, you, what you've done. But you can't do this, right? You can't walk in a manner worthy of the Lord if you don't know the Lord's words, right? There, that's not an excuse for us to say, well, I just don't know God's commands. I don't know what he calls me to do. That's, that's not a good enough ex excuse. We need to be in his word and understand what he has called us to. It's just like if you were driving down the road and you just overlooked the speed limit sign and you got pulled over for speeding, the cop's not going to take the, it's not going to be a valid excuse for you to say, I, I don't know what the speed limit was. He's not going to say, oh, okay, cool. Don't worry about it here. Let me just give you a warning. It's, it's okay. No, you broke the law, right? You, you broke the law, whether you knew it or not. It, the law is a law, right? God's commands are God's commands, whether we know them or not. Well, he's given us his word so we can know them. So there's, there's no real excuse for us to not know his word. You know lyrics to songs, right? You know your favorite recipes. Uh, fill in the blank with whatever you do well. You know those things, right? How much more should we know the word of God? Hence, this is why prayers offered by Paul in the previous verse say this, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, right? His will is found in his word, right? How do we walk in a manner worthy of him? We be filled with his word so we can walk in light of what his word says, right? So if we are walking in a manner worthy or truthfully, uh, we'll, we will be fully pleasing to him. Now, when it talks about fully pleasing to him, it's not saying that we can please God like partially or whatever. It's all of our lives are before God, right? There's not one aspect of our life that's hidden from him, right? The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the good and the evil. So all of our lives need to be pleasing to him is what he's telling us. If we are being filled with the word of God, understanding the will of God and the knowledge of him, spiritual wisdom and understanding, then all aspects of our life, all the different aspects of our life need to be in conformity to his word, right? And not just one area. I can't just come to church every Sunday and say, okay, well, I'm a good Christian because I come here every Sunday. I, all of my life needs to be devoted to God, right? That, that's how I show devotion to him, appreciation for what he's done by committing my life to him, uh, presenting my life as a living sacrifice before God. That is my spiritual worship. That's what Romans 12, 1 tells us. So walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, that's what that looks like. Well, or excuse me, what does it look like? Well, it's bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. <clears throat> One way I, I can illustrate this, um, whether I do this well or not, this would apply to you if, you if you're married, right? Here's an example of that. How do I, how do I bear fruit in every good work and increase? of God. Well, in marriage, I show love to my wife by acknowledging her needs, meeting those needs, right? Not just saying, I know you've got this, this thing, right? But actually helping with those things uh, and listening to her, right? Making her feel understood. 
right? Those are things that we should do as husbands to help show love to our wives, right? That's bearing fruit in every good work as far as marriage goes. Um, and why is that? Well, the word of God is what tells us that. Ephesians 5 tells us that I am to love my wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Right, that's what uh, Ephesians 5 tells us, how Christ loves his bride. Right, I can go to the Lord any time and pray and know that he hears me, know that he understands me, know that he meets my needs. That's, that's how God shows his love for me, not only dying for me, but doing those things. Right? So in turn, I take those things and I need to show them to my wife as well. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 7 is another way it's described. Live with my wife in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since she is an heir with me of the grace of life, so that my prayers may not be hindered. Right, this kind of goes back to the first point, right? If we're offering prayers on behalf of others, right, it kind of out of the overflow of that, we show love to them. And just like we see here in First Peter, if I'm not doing these things for my wife, my prayers are hindered. Right? If, if I'm not loving her the way that she needs to be loved, I'm not under, seeking to understand her, I'm just saying she's crazy and, and emotional and irrational and all these things. If I'm just doing that and she's the problem, right? If I'm just saying those things, I'm not living with her in an understanding way. I'm not loving her like Christ loves his church. Why would God answer my prayers in the midst of that season, right? Go and love my daughter well. That, that's what you're supposed to do. Go show her love before you come to me asking for something. Um, that, that's those prayers being hindered. But I bear fruit in every good work as I serve and seek to understand her. Right? That, that's how that works itself out. Now, what does that look like within the church setting? Right? How does that look for all of us today? Because not everybody's married, not everybody has ki- children, whatever. Like Not, not, not everyone is, is there. Uh, so what does it look like for us? Well, once again, it starts with prayer. Right? Are we praying for one another? Are we praying for our needs? Are we praying that God does this work within us so that out of the overflow of what he's done for us, I'm able to be poured out into other people and show love that way. Now, what, is, what does this sort of love look like within the church setting? Well, it may be phone calls to check up on people. It may be visiting the widows of our church, right? They're, being a widow, there's times of loneliness, right? There was once a husband, a spouse, and things like that. Now, there's not, right? There, there's needs that are there. Um, it could be helping with sound or with the, with the um, what do you call it? Signs? Slides? Yeah, sorry. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not doing that. But like there's, or the sign, right? It could be help with the sign too. Whatever, whatever way God prompts you, right? Like as you're sitting under the teaching of God's word, as you're reading his word and you're seeking to find ways to serve God's people, Right? He's going to reveal these things to you. He's going to put something on your heart where there's a need and you're the one that can fill it. Right? That's how we serve the people of, of God's church. That's how we love one another is by doing these things. Bringing food for the fellowship meals. Staying for the fellowship meals. <laughs> uh, giving in the offering. All these are ways that we can serve. And there's many others. Right? I, I don't have the time to list off all these things, but what has God put on your heart to serve his people? First and foremost, we can all be praying for each other. There is no reason for any of us not to. Uh, there's, there's no excuse for that. Uh, but beyond that, what else can we do, right? You may not be able to do anything other than that, and that's, that's plenty. But if you can, right, if you just haven't prioritized these things, you've got other things in your life that have 
uh, taking precedence and taking priority uh, that don't necessarily have any eternal value, you may want to reconsider, right, what you're doing with your life. Not with your life, but within your life. <laughs> it's not your entire life, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that didn't come out quite right. Uh, but yeah, God will reveal these things to you, right? As, as you're sitting, he's going to convict you, right? Like, why aren't you doing this? You know, what about this? Don't you have this talent? Don't you have this thing? You know, or, or ask, right? Hey, where do we need help? There's a board, there's a board out there that has lists of available things to serve in. Right. Plenty of things to do. The more people we have, the more things there are to uh, areas that there are to serve. Now, that's that's loving one another. Right. That's how we love one another in these ways. Bearing fruit uh, and doing all that. So first we have prayer. Then we talk about loving one another. Finally, we bear with one another. Now, this is the, the final point. OK, we'll bear with one another. What are what does that mean? What does it mean to bear with one another? How, what does that look like? All these things, you may not be familiar with them or whatever. But verse 11 says this, being strengthened with all power and according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So we talked about prayer. We talked about loving. Now we're talking about bearing with one another. Um, sometimes people are easy to love, right? There's some people that they, they make it easy most of the time. Uh, but then there's the rest of us that don't make it that easy to be loved on or to love, right? There, there's some of us that are easier to love, and there's some of us who aren't. And it takes endurance. It takes patience. It takes love, right, to deal with these people. Uh, and all of us are those people at certain times, right? Because all of us have sin issues that we either struggle with or that are kind of blind spots for us. Uh, but But all of us have them. And as we are dealing with one another, right, we, we need to bear with these things and endure, you know, as God is working those things out patiently. He's working them out patiently within them. We tend to suffer and, and impatiently wait for God to change these things. And, but that's, that's not loving for us to act in that way. And if we think about the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, a lot of times the first couple of verses we're, we're kind of on board with but then we kind of tune out the last couple of verses in the, in the love is this, love is that passage. And so I want to read those and kind of bring those back to light, the ones that we tend to kind of gloss over. So it says, love is patient, love is kind, right? We all, we all know those. Love does not envy or boast. Those tend to be a little easier to do as well. It is not arrogant or rude. Okay, all those we kind of were like, yeah, we get that, and it's, it's understandable. Uh, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. This is where it's starting to kind of taper off some. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing or rejoice, but it rejoices with the truth. But here's, here's the kicker in verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Doesn't say some things, a few things, one thing. You know, one thing every now and then, it's all things, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Right, there's people in your own life today that you say that you love, but you may insist on your own way, you may be irritable towards them or resentful towards them, right? There, we all have 
those people that we tend to kind of take that route with. Um, and you're, maybe you're working on it. Maybe. Maybe you're working on it. But um, these last few, these are the ones that really hit me, right? Am I bearing all things? Believing God in all these things? Am I hopeful in all these things or enduring all things, right? For the sake of love for them, right? Is, is that what I am doing? Because <clears throat> that's what love is, right? Love is, is those things, right? It's not just being patient, kind, not being envious or boasting, which those are important. Sometimes those are hard to do, but bearing all things, believing all things, hopes, hoping in all things and enduring all things, that, that tends to be really, really difficult. But to do that, that's us bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, we can't do one without the other. Now, I'm not saying that all of these things are going to look exactly the same for all people because there's times where people need to be cut out of your life. There's no denying that. Um, that sometimes is the most loving thing you can do. Um, like I said, the wisdom is in the nuances, right? Like, okay, in this specific situation, what is the most loving thing I can do for this person, right? Seek out, either be praying about it, seeking God's word about it, not trying to fulfill personal desires, seek counsel in God's people. Hey, am I missing something in these situations? And then make that decision, right? Making an, an informed biblical decision based on all those things. Uh, so I'm not saying in all circumstances every single time, but oftentimes we cut off people the second they make us uncomfortable or they, they disagree with us or they sin against us, right? Once and that's it, right? There's a lot of time there's that. Um, but we haven't given them the opportunity to, or we haven't given them opportunity where we need to be bearing these things, hoping in these things, and doing all that. So I think that's important for us to understand. That's that's love. <clears throat> but once again, what is as we go back to these verses, being fully pleasing to God is submitting my entire life before God and seeking wisdom from Him. Like God, I need you to tell me what you need me to do, as as verse ten told us. You know, all the areas of my life need to be examined so that I can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing to him, right? I, I can't be hiding things away. All of it needs to be exposed so that those planks that are these blind spots are removed so I can see clearly the things that God has put before me. One of the things that kind of came to mind when I was thinking about this and how we bear all things um, and, and endure through things is, is the term PKs. Like when you think about PKs, um, preacher's kids, right? Like, it's, there's, there's automatically a negative connotation when you hear that term. Uh, they're like, oh, yeah, they were a PK and da-da-da, right? And they just, they went crazy, right? Um, and it, it's, it's an automatic assumption that PKs are going to be the worst kids in the church because their, their dad is busy doing all these other things and the kids just kind of run crazy and do whatever they want. Now, unfortunately, that is the truth in a lot of cases. There, there, we can't deny that, that there's plenty of kids that have their, their parents have kind of neglected them, and they've kind of did their own thing. Um, but, you know, the, the, something to consider as well is, like, as we are checking and examining our lives and making sure these things are done, uh, those things tend to uh, be limited, right? That's not to say that kids won't do dumb things. It's not to say that they won't embarrass us. Uh, and it's not that they won't make us question uh, whether there are kids or not, right, or how long they're going to stay in the home, right? All those things are going to happen. That, that's going to happen no matter what. Um, but 
it's like, are we examining those areas? Or are they left unchecked, right? Are they just kind of left to their own things and, and kind of gone by the wayside? The reason I brought this up is because whenever I had a, this preacher who, uh, when he found out I was getting ordained, he gave me his, his personal wisdom. And uh, it, it was some of the worst advice I've ever received. Um, and so he told me, take care of God's people and he'll take care of yours. I was like, thank you. Like, what? Like that, and thank, by God's grace, right, as I was being discipled and trained for the ministry and all that, studying God's word, you see that family is your first ministry, right? You get to see the way you manage your household. That's one of the criteria for qualifications for being an elder. Like, if, if you're not managing your household well, faithfully, right, not that everything's going to be perfect, but you're not... If you're not actively shepherding the flock within your own home, you've got no business shepherding God's flock. Amen. But that was some advice that was given. It's like, no, we, we can't. That, that's, that's not right. I, I need to minister here first. And then with what I've got left, that's what you get. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it starts here, though. It, it has to. And, and that's not to say that, you know, I'm, I'm knocking it out of the park. I mean, it, you know, there's, there's always, it, it ebbs and flows, there's highs and lows, there's all that stuff, but the first ministry's there. Nothing can be left unchecked, right? It, everything has to be always examined. We need to have a life that pleases the Lord, fully pleasing to him, right? All areas of life need to be brought under submission to God's word and need to be um, ministered to out of reverence for Christ. Now, for uh, how does what is how does that apply to you today, right? Not all of us are preachers, not all of us are pastors or whatever. But how does that apply to us today, right? Well, all of us can find things that occupy our time and and find noble reasons to do a hundred different things and say, well, I just don't have time for these things. I'm so busy with work or with these uh, whatever it is, right? And like nonprofit volunteer servicing and and all these things that seem good on the surface, which are. Right, when there's needs right here within the church, needs within your home, right? There, there's lots of these things that, that are needed. And so we need to make sure that as we go to the Lord and we're seeking him in prayer, seeking to know his will, seeking to love his people, that am I bearing this, these loads of my brothers and sisters in Christ properly, right? Not that you can bear everything because that's not what we're called to. We're not God. But am I doing my part within this local body? Right. We, we talked about the church and the confession and how we are many parts of the same body. If, if my hand begins to atrophy and, and starts to die off, the rest of my body needs to try to feed it, and nourish it and nurse it back to health. Right. I need to be one part needs to be helping the other. And we all need each other. All of us need each other. Uh, and, and godly wisdom will help us understand how much we can offer, what we can do, who we who we can go to to help us process that information. It takes all of that, right? And so we need to be bearing with one another, right? Bearing in all things, um, not only for personal issues, but also with the issues within the church, right? Endurance, patience, joy, these things that are mentioned in this passage, they don't come naturally to us. We don't come out of the womb just, just nailing it when it comes to endurance and patience, right? Babies, they cry and cry and cry, right? Because there's no patience when you're a child, and it doesn't get much better when you're an adult, you know? We want microwave food, fast food, right? We want ours and we want it now, right? But we need to be, we need that worked out. That, that's just like endurance for our cardiovascular health takes time, right? You don't start running marathons, you train yourself up to it. 
our spiritual health is the same way. It, it needs to be put to work, right? We, we go through trials and tests to, to see where we stand before God, right? Today, I may be able to withstand five minutes of, of uh, you know, nonsense. It may be 10 minutes tomorrow, you know, but either way, it's getting worked out, right? I'm, I'm exercising my faith. I'm exercising these spiritual gifts that God has given each and every one of us. And as he does that, they begin to grow. They begin to flourish. And you'll, you'll see in your own life, the more trials you go through, the more patience you tend to have, the more understanding and wisdom you tend to have in different circumstances, right? We don't, we don't like it, right? We don't like going through things. We don't like going through trials, pains, heartache, tragedies. But when you've gone through some, some very difficult times, the lesser things tend to not bother you as much. And why is that? Because you've learned to trust God in those things. So as when these things come, you're like, you know what? God provided then. He's going to provide for this as well. But it, it, it takes time. It takes trials. That's why James 1 tells us, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance, perseverance. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Right? So for us to, we're being made whole by God. Right? God is, he has saved us once and for all, and he is working out his salvation within us, right? He's conforming us into the image of his son, and he completes that work when he calls us home, that work that he has for us. That it's, it's sanctification. That's our entire Christian life, right, is, is sanctification. We're not who we were yesterday, two weeks ago, six weeks ago, six years ago, right? We're steadily growing, right, more and more into the image of Christ, but it takes these trials to cause us to rely on ourselves less and more on Christ. Right, the more we go through trials where we don't have the answers, the more we have to look to him for those things. And as we go through that, then it's like, okay, I tried it my way last time. This time I need to try it the Lord's way. I need to trust in him. I need to lean on him and not my own understanding. I need to reach out to my brothers and sisters in Christ and ask them to pray for me. I need to seek them for wise counsel. Hey, I don't know what to do in this situation. Can you help me? And I can almost guarantee that just about anything anyone's gone through, someone else has gone through something similar and can offer you some, some experience, some wisdom, some understanding that, that could apply to that situation in order for you to be able to endure that a little bit better. Now, it's not going to be easy because trials usually aren't, but that's what we need to be made whole, to be made perfect, right? We're, we have Christ in, in totality, but these thick heads of ours tend to want to trust in ourselves and he's slowly pulling back these scales off of us he's chipping away the hardness around our hearts that he's made new in order for us to trust and rely on him more right so the the more we go through these things the more that we end up lacking nothing right the more that's trimmed away and pulled away and removed from us the more that we truly don't lack anything it's one of those paradoxes right the the, the more i lay down my life the more that he grants me that that everlasting life, that newness of life, the, the life that we are called to live, the more that that's exposed, the more I give up of myself. So praying, loving, and enduring, these, these things, these are essential components to the Christian life. And we all need it, and we all must do it, right? We, we need to recognize our desire for it, our need for it, how it is crucial for us, but then we also need to understand, not only do we need to know that in our heads, we need to our will, our desire needs to be for those things as well. So in closing, praying for one another, loving one another, 
and bearing with one another must be evident in every one of our lives. That's, that's what we're called to, right? God has, is working out these things within our lives. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Uh, we need to be praying about this for each other, right? As we offer up these prayers that are promises of God, God answers those things. We can always trust that these things will be working out. And the more we're praying for this for each other, the more we'll see it uh, evidenced uh, through each and every one of our lives. But all of this must be rooted not in a desire to make much of self or to <clears throat> bring glory or boast in yourself. It's, it's to please God with your life. God has given you everything, right? He has given you his son, which is the greatest gift that any of us could ever have. And your duty in light of what he has done for you is to walk in those good works that he's prepared for you beforehand that you should walk in. So just remember, this is not us checking boxes so we can say I'm, I'm a better Christian. It's not, there is no adjective that goes in front of Christian. You're just Christian, all, every last one of us, whether you're day one or day whatever, your last day here on earth. All of us were saved by the same grace and we're all clothed with the same righteousness. So there is no difference in, in any of us. It was Christ and his righteousness that were granted to us. So we don't need to check off boxes. This is just about loving God. I mean, that's essentially what it is. He's given us everything we need and we need to walk in light of it. So in Christ, we do these things out of, we, we do these things out of obedience to these commands that he's given us so that we can more and more be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience. That is the word of the Lord. Let us pray and end our time.